The sixth petition, lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The petitions early in the prayer, hallowed be your name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, are all prayers of offense. They're asking God to be at work. They're asking God to emblazon his name on us and to let his word and character shine through us. It is asking that the kingdom of God, through his promises and through his sacraments, would establish his reign and rule over hearts and minds in the world. He's asking that through that work, good things would happen, that the continuing work of our Savior Jesus Christ, as he reached out and did the work of ministry, would continue to do the body of Christ, that all the world might be touched by this good gospel, by the reign and rule of God, and by the work of the forgiveness of sins. These are the offensive petitions, the prayers to ask God to be working in and through his word, working in and through us. The petitions we're in now are the defensive petitions. Retain and keep me in the faith. Forgiving one another as we have been forgiven, as we spoke of last week, is a matter of not being a, a uh, feeling like I have a corner on the market of God's love, but I'm actually a conduit of the love of God and his compassion. As he forgives, so also I and forgiving others. The generosity that God has shared and showered upon me is one I share and shower upon others. That it's not something to be kept and hidden or kept and simply cherished, but the cherishing is in the sharing. Also, in terms of today's petition, lead us not into temptation. This is a matter of recognizing that evil is very much in and active in the world. It is out there, it is even in there. So the various enemies that we face are both external and internal. We face Satan himself. We face the various temptations that he would cause us to uh, fall into. We face the sins of others and the despair that that wrecks on our hearts and minds as we see evil around us. We also struggle with our own capacity to sin, our own sinful flesh that is and will remain with us until the resurrection of the body. Even while we are forgiven ourselves, we also recognize that it's no good to cling to sin. It's no good to, to live in it and claim it and to, and to make it our own character and personality, but to be on guard and to be fighting against it, that it wouldn't master us. 
So these enemies are real. And we pray in this petition that God's kingdom would come in such a way that those enemies are defeated, that those enemies not only recognize their defeat, but that instead of we being the ones despairing, they would be the ones despairing, that they can't have us because the Lord Jesus Christ has won such a thorough victory on our behalf. And so we pray in this petition that the Lord would keep us in the faith. He's provided so many good promises this way, and ultimately that he would support and retain and hold us and never let us out of the palm of his hand. Well, how real are these enemies? Well, they are very real. Jesus himself recognized the reality of all of them and spoke about them often. You can't read the Gospels without having Jesus confronting Satan from the first moment right after he is baptized. There he goes into the wilderness, just as we read in the first Sunday of Lent, to be confronted by Satan and to be tempted by him. But, but even more so, immediately after that confrontation, he goes into the synagogues, where you would think, here's all kinds of church people. And right there, along with all the church people, was the demonic that was there, confronting Jesus and saying, get out of here trying to exercise Jesus out of the synagogue because he felt like it was his territory. Jesus will not stand for that, right? As he teaches the kingdom and the reign and rule of God, as he teaches the, the expansion of that reign and rule through his own person and work, the demonic is unveiled and he casts them out can't stand before the Son of God. He has the authority over them. They, they must bow to him. Confronting the demonic, exercising demons was a part of Jesus' own work. He recognized the captivity, the tyranny that the demonic, that the demonic held over people's hearts and minds. And it was his intention to pierce through that demonic power and to free people from it. Rescue from Satan and sin. Rescue from death and the devil. Well, how does he do that for us? I'm going to be conducting three baptisms on Tuesday morning. There's a, a military family who's on their way into town, and they have a, well, they have a backlog of baptisms that need to be done. They haven't had a a Lutheran church close by in many years during the course of their military service. And so it's time to catch up. And the first part of that service, the first thing that the people being baptized are asked to affirm is, do you renounce Satan? Do you renounce all his works? Do you renounce all his ways? Out with the old, out with the bad, and in with the new, in with the good. Renouncing Satan is then followed by reciting the creed. So then, do you believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? Casting out false gods. Anything that isn't 
the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ in the power of his spirit for the glory of the Father is cast out. That's what it means to repent. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent is to, is to recognize that I have false gods. I'm clinging to things. I am finding my identity. I'm finding my personhood. I'm finding my meaning in life. I'm finding my purposes in life in something other than the word of God. That Jesus is not, Jesus is not reigning supreme over my mind and heart. To repent is to recognize that. And praying this prayer is to ask the Lord to establish that reign and rule over me and in my heart. That my mind would be his mind. It would think his thoughts after him. That my feet would go into the places that he leads. My hands would do the things that he would do. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come to me and keep me there. Don't, don't lead me into temptation. Don't allow any of the enemies that would like to see me trip and fall. Don't give them the benefit of seeing me trip and fall. Use me as your sharpened tool and sharpen me all the more in the using so that I can be that much more a, a piercing arrow or a sharp two-edged sword that the word of the Lord would be clear and that it would be prominent and that it would do its work, not returning void, that it would continue to cut through, find good flesh, hearts of flesh, and remove those hearts of stone so that beating, spirit-filled hearts find joy and peace and contentment in God and his word. There is the demonic, and then there is those stony hearts, the original sin that keeps running after it with, with ongoing sins that drive me to imagine that maybe I'm not who I say I am, that maybe that hypocrisy is, is so thorough that, that God, would, would God would cast me out. And so come to him. And I confess my sin. Here I am, poor, miserable sinner, though I am, praying not my righteousness, Lord, but yours, yours be done. Your righteousness cover me. Your righteousness keep and hold me. Don't lead me to the sin of pride to imagine that, that I have all that I need, that I'm self-sufficient in, in any way, shape, or form, but that all my sufficiency rests in your hands. Leave me in that type of humility. Crushing sin in me and raising up again, day after day after day, the power of your resurrection life. That everything that anyone would note or see or give glory about would be giving glory to you because you're doing the work, Lord. That your baptism is refreshing me every single day. I have my feet planted in it like a, a tree uh, beside still waters, drawing strength from it. So that there would be fruitfulness, joyfulness, and peace. Recognizing that I bring nothing to the table is actually quite free. 
because all the filling is going to come from the Lord. Those internal enemies, those internal enemies that would put myself first, they are retrained by the Lord to be crucified in him so that his resurrection can have full sway. And what about my flesh? My flesh! <laughs> the flesh that would drive me into further and further sins. The, the eye that, that seeks out evil and the hand that seeks to do evil and the tongue that seeks to speak evil. Lord, you pluck them out. Lord, you cut them off. Lord, you rip them from the roots so that they may be yours. All of those little deaths, those, those deaths by a thousand cuts as sin is recognized and identified in all the different places that are me, ultimately crucify all of it. So that the hope of the resurrection of the body that will come on that great and glorious day can be manifested by your will and by your work now as I am your servant. Giving honor and all glory to God the Father in Christ, in his spirit. Lead me not into temptation takes seriously the enemies that every Christian faces and asks that the armor of God be trusted. That these words and gifts, that these promises and these gifts of faith and salvation and peace, faithfulness and righteousness, that all of these gifts be cherished. Marvelous stories in mythology about Theseus getting a shield from Athena or, or Hercules getting a, a weapon from Zeus. We have real gifts from a God who loves us and who doesn't just send us on aimless tasks for his own pride but who would gather us as his children and treat us as his own. Being armed with his spiritual tools, being armed with his word, we can be not only defended, but we can be on offense as well. Let the demonic run. Let them try, let them try to break down the bonds of God's love in his church. Let them try to attack his word with all of the tools they have. It's not reliable. Look at how many versions, look at how many churches who say that everybody else is teaching the wrong thing. But let the truth prevail. And as God's word is announced, and his spirit takes hold of people's hearts and minds. His truth is manifest. Let the word speak for itself. It doesn't need to be defended. It needs to be proclaimed. 
let it speak into the ears and hearts and minds of those who are skeptical, those who are wondering, and also those who are fainting, that faith somehow seems hard, that they might be encouraged, that their weak ankles would be strengthened, that their weak knees would be heightened, that their hips would hold them, and that their arms would remain strong. Because the mighty hand of the Lord is doing his will and doing his work. We're halfway through this Lenten season. It is good time to take stock of where we have come from and where we are headed. Are there sins that are dropping by the wayside? Are you looking clear-eyed into where you stand before the Lord? And so that your confession is filled with, with fullness. So that the word of grace can strike its mark true, can strike its mark joyfully to give you the peace that passes all understanding. So that you do not leave this place still holding on to the things that would hold you back. But having cast aside every burden, you might cling to the cross. And let it hold you. Amen. The peace of God that passes all human understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in faith towards Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.